0: So welcome to another episode of Bulls HQ, a Chicago Bulls podcast on the Blue Eye Sports Podcast Network. Thank you for joining me on this episode of the show, one where we give thanks to... Well, I have no idea what to. There's not really much to be thankful for at the moment if you're a Chicago Bulls fan. I understand that in the U.S. at the moment, you guys are all probably celebrating uh, Thanksgiving and the like. Not that I know that much about what the holiday is about, but it is only a, a, a holiday central to the United States. Us from abroad don't typically follow or celebrate this This public holiday. So for us, I guess we, I'm I'm sitting here questioning what the hell are we meant to be thankful for when it comes to anything to do with our Bulls at the moment. And I have zero answer for you, Bulls fans, because at the moment, things are probably at at rock bottom. I mean, last time I spoke to you guys, we had just come off a win against the Charlotte Hornets. It was one of those crazy, ridiculous wins where the Bulls basically needed Zach Levine to pull, it, pull everything out of his ass to get the team over the line. He did so, dropped 49 points, hit 13 threes. The Bulls escaped with a one-point win over a bad Hornets team. That masked the issues that I was speaking about in terms of the defense. There was a lot of frustration in my voice last time I recorded a show with Morton on the last episode of Bulls HQ. And, Whilst I was uh, a bit optimistic about the the road ahead and the week ahead, thinking that the Bulls may be able to get some wins going, given that they were they, they were facing a couple of bad teams here in terms of the Portland Trailblazers and the Golden State Warriors, I thought this would get these were games where the Bulls could come in and actually get a few wins and. Lo and behold, the, the the one time that I turned into a Bulls optimist, the Bulls go and let me down by getting absolutely destroyed by the t- Portland Trailblazers on Monday night. Carmelo Anthony turned back the clock, 25 points, 8 rebounds, just completely killed Larry marketing and the Bulls. That was what I thought at the time, one of the worst losses of the season, but not to undo themselves. The Chicago Bulls found a way to probably chalk up one of the worst losses the team has had all seasons, and... I don't know how this was possible, but they lost by double digits to the worst team in the league, an injury-depleted Golden State Warriors team, missing, obviously, Kevin Durant, missing, obviously, Andre Iguodala too, but beyond that, missing Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and a host of other role players that they've had in the years past. Pretty much, this is a team of Draymond Green and a bunch of G-leaguers, but still, the Bulls found a way to drop this game, which was... It's something that I should have seen coming, but for whatever reason, I, I tried to play the Optimus card. I thought this team could get their shit together, and maybe after that Charlotte game, find a way to, I don't know, to kickstart their season. Maybe use that game that from Zach Levine, the one that he sort of pulled out for the Bulls, the one that he sort of saved this team from dropping to a 5-12 and 12 record. Maybe that could have been the the impetus to kickstart the season, but obviously that hasn't been the case. Two losses since that point, and... I don't know what to think right now, Bulls fans. This is probably going to be a short podcast because one, I know you're all on holidays. I you you probably don't want to be ruining your holidays with a podcast talking about this this insipid Bulls team right now and. To be honest with you, my mind is still everywhere. It's, it's, we've been a couple hours post this game, but I still don't know what to make of it. Uh, it is a complete joke the way Jim Boylan is handling himself. Pre and post game, in terms of the media, uh, prior to the game, Darnell Mabry, who's probably been the best Bulls beat writer of this season, in my opinion, he, he had a great piece on Boylan and the fact that Boylan doubled down on him on the way that he's going to be doing things and the way he wants to keep running his offense, the way he wants to keep running the defense. Obviously I voiced my concerns. With the defense, guys like Steph No have written about the defense. The, the defense has been written on bloggable. It's been written about everywhere. Everyone knows this defensive scheme is a goddamn joke. The, the way he's operating is ridiculous at this point. But for whatever reason, Boylan is doubling down on that point to the point where he he was making it very clear that he wants the defense to be one that is playing in the passing lanes, one that is generating turnovers, one that can fuel the offense with turnovers, which is kind of ridiculous to do in this modern day NBA given that NBA players are so good at making the pass they're so good at making the right reads and finding the right shots for guys in the open in the open corners for threes or for that rim rolling big sort of streaming into the lane as we've seen kill the Bulls throughout the opening 19 games of the season so the Bulls are just giving up a lot of shots from the three-point line they're giving a lot of shots up at at the rim and I don't know why, but Boylan is more than content with giving up that in this, for the sake of getting turnovers and getting out in tra- transition. And I noted this on Twitter today, but it's literally the opposite of a Tom Thibodeau offense where he wanted to play a more conservative brand of defensive basketball he didn't want his players playing in the passing lane he didn't want his players going for steals because he wanted them playing in position wanted them playing the zones on the court to to prevent teams from getting those corner threes to prevent teams from getting in middle in the middle of the paint and getting towards the basket so i don't know it's literally the opposite of what a good defensive foundation should be but Darnell had the piece today. It was a really good one. I suggest you read it up on The Athletic about Boylan doubling down on everything that he wanted to do. And we saw that continue in the Warriors game. And I guess we saw a lot of the same things that we've seen with the Bulls continue in this game in the sense that it was pretty much a one-man show on offense. Zach Levine was the only one really carrying this offense. For a moment there, it appeared like Zach was going to save Boylan's ass once more by putting up crazy numbers himself, leading the offense over a bad team and getting the win in spite of the rest of his teammates not really showing up. He had 36 points on 20 field, 24 field goal attempts, 4 from 9 from the 3-point line, 5 rebounds, 5 assists. Zach was pretty good in this game. It felt a lot like the Charlotte game where it felt like he was going to shoot the balls into a win, but beyond him and maybe Tomas Sadaransky, there wasn't really any other Bulls that showed up. Sadaransky had 19 points, 7 rebounds, 7 assists. They had 45 of the team's 90 points, if you can believe that. The, the the rest of the team just did not show up offensively. Larry Markkinen continued his struggles. Only 8 points. 7 of those points coming in the first half, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe I am, but it felt like he got he got his 7 points in that first half. But 3 of 10 shooting for Larry Markkinen in in this one. Barely played at all in the final quarter. Jim Boylan literally used every single player he had on the roster in this fourth quarter against the Warriors. Every single one. 13 players. They all got, they all got a run. Lowry and only got one and a half minutes in this, third, in, in this fourth quarter. Now, I understand he was bad. He maybe doesn't deserve to be playing as many minutes as what he is right now. But I don't know. This is ridiculous at this point. I obviously... Lowry deserves the bunt of the blame, I guess, at this point. He's just missing shots that he should be making. I have no idea what is going on with Lowry, Mark, and I've said that a million times now. We don't know what's going on. We're speculating about maybe him being hurt. Maybe he's not. Maybe it's mental. Who the hell knows? But all we know is he's playing damn bad to the point where over his last 10 games, it's pretty dire Bulls fans. He's averaging 11.6 points per game, 31.1% from the field. 25.5% Twenty twenty five and a half percent from the three point line, and only six and a half boards. It's it's really really bad. I I don't understand what's happening with Larry Markman at this point, but he has he has disintegrated as a player. He's regressed to something that I just wasn't ready for. I suppose I've never seen a player just drop off so markedly over. Over last season or over seasons, I guess, like even in, if you compare what he's doing now to his rookie season, the way he's playing now is is what you would expect Markman to do when he sort of jumped out, the, the, jumped out of the gates in 2017. Playing like this, you know, being inefficient from the field, having suspect defense, not looking lively or engaged in games, they're things you would expect from a rookie who's sort of trying to feel himself out, trying to find his way through the NBA, not a guy entering his third year. Trying to establish himself as an all-star as many had hoped he would be before this season. So yeah, this Larry marketing issue, I don't know what's going on. It's a fairly large sample size at this point, 19 games. I don't know what the hell is going on with marketing. I keep saying that because I just don't know. But all I know is he has been bad. Really, really damn bad. And I mean, to continue on with the Woes, Chandler Hutchinson obviously returned from injury against the Blazers. He got the start here. Against the Warriors, but he only lasted two minutes because he banged shoulders on a screen. He he ran off the court immediately looking after that shoulder. The way he was running off, you could tell it was a a shoulder injury. It was just sort of numb and limp and it it looked like he popped something in his shoulder. I'm purely speculating at this point. MRIs will happen very shortly. We'll find out what the hell is going on with Chandler Hutchinson. But this guy can't catch a break at all as well. He is hurt again. and It looks like he's going to be missing some time. And that only complicates the Bulls' wing issue given that Otto Porter is obviously out still for a number of weeks here. So not only do the Bulls register a terribly bad loss in this game. They got another injury to a key player, or a, a, maybe not a key player, but a player that plays a key position for this team in terms of the fact that this team has zero wing depth at all. Yeah, it was just a calamity of errors this game for the Bulls. So I, It was really, really, really bad, and it leaves you wondering what the hell the point of this season is meant to be at this point. Obviously, playoffs were the goal coming into it. I was not... A fan of the Bulls going so hard with the playoff push from the start, given that they had given what they had achieved through the first two years of their rebuild, only winning 27 games in year one and only the 22 in, in year two. I think maybe they needed to pump the brakes a bit and just be a little bit more realistic. Maybe aim for mid 30s in wins before you go declaring playoffs. But that's the standard they have set, and to be at six at 13 at this point, one of the worst teams in the East. But Coincidentally, still having a chance to to get into the playoffs here, given how bad the East is. It, it's I don't know what this season is meant to be about. Because if it's meant to be about winning, clearly this team isn't winning. The six and thirteen, they're losing more games than they're obviously winning at twice the rate, for that matter. But if it's also meant to be about development, then that's not really happening at all either. I mean, I've just talked about Larry Barkin and he's gone backwards. Chris Dunn started the season really well, but his last few games have been bad, particularly offensively. His offense has just been downright bad. Kobe White was terrible against the Warriors, only two points, minus 19 for the game, didn't make a shot. In games where Kobe isn't hitting on his offense, isn't making any scores on offense, he's a completely useless player at this point. So... If he's not making any scores on offense, then he's a dud. Daniel Gafford didn't look very good in this game. Barely played to the point where Jim Boylan actually had Luke Cornett ahead of Gafford in the rotation for whatever reason. Cornett played more minutes in this game than Gafford for whatever reason. I don't understand why that was the case, but it obviously happened. It played itself out that way. Who the hell knows? But like I said... Literally every single player on the roster got off the bench and got on the court against the Warriors and got minutes. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's just, it's ridiculous the way Boylan is man- managing his rotations at the moment. But just a really, really bad game against the Warriors from the Bulls. This should have been a win. Like I said, this isn't the Warriors of old. This is the worst team in the NBA right now. They are the 30th ranked defense in the NBA, yet still the Bulls could only manage to score 17 points in the first quarter against the worst defense in the league. That is ridiculous. Not to mention that the Warriors are actually one of the worst defensive rebounding teams in the NBA, yet they had 41 defensive rebounds against the Chicago Bulls today, whereas the Bulls themselves, they only had 42 total rebounds, so the Bulls just were just completely destroyed on the boards. Now, I guess that is bound to happen when you are so bad on offense, you're going to give the, the, your your opponent an opportunity to sort of clean the glass and get more rebounds that way. But the fact that a small, undersized Warriors team was able to out-rebound the balls, and that's exactly what they were. They were running out lineups where their tallest player was six foot six on, on occasion, whether that's Draymond Green or or Eric Pascal or whoever the hell a player was. On When there was no Willie Cauley-Stein on the court or Marquise Chris on the court, Like the Warriors were closing the game with, there was no excuse for the balls being absolutely destroyed on the boards, but that was the case regardless. So to not be able to produce an efficient offense against this Warriors squad is a absolute joke. To be out-rebounded by this small Warriors team is completely ridiculous. I, I, Yeah, like I said, I've lost for words. The Bulls only had a 90.9 offensive rating in this game against the Warriors. Like I said, the Warriors were 30th in defensive rating coming into the game, yet the Bulls offense, which I guess isn't very good itself, was ranked 28th heading into this game, has now dropped to 30th could only produce 90.9 points per 100 possessions against this, war- against this Warriors team. That is, uh, it's, it's laughable, Wolves fans. It is absolutely laughable. I have no idea what is going on on offense at this point. They're generally getting to the spots where they should be coming up with some good shots. They're, they're taking shots from the right spot, but like I spoke about with Jason Pat the other week, they're getting to the right spots, but they're throwing up garbage at this point. They're getting into the rim, but they're just chucking up absolute garbage. So, maybe their shot profile, even though it looks healthy, maybe it's not all that it's made up to be. Maybe they need to adjust some things. And I don't know what that means. I don't know what they should be doing. I don't, I don't know what the counter to that is, obviously, because I think they're getting the shots from the right areas. But maybe they just need to be a little bit more creative, a little bit more smarter in terms of the shots that they do do or don't take. Because at the moment, it looks like they're forcing their hand and just thinking that a shot at the rim is what they need. So they just barrel into the lane and just throw up any old nonsense. And we see this almost every game at this point from Larry Markkinen where he makes a drive to the basket and he's he's going in for an aggressive hammer dunk and he's getting destroyed every single time because... It's just easy for the defense to pick that apart at the moment when you're just making straight line drives without necessarily having the feel for the game to throw in a hesitation move or throw in some sort of spin move, go on, go from left to right, whatever it may be, instead of just going straight line and just throwing the ball literally into the defender's hands try to do something else. And this just applies beyond Larry Market. I've spoken to him about it before with in terms of Zach Levine and Kobe White being just straight line drivers and not necessarily having much guile to their offensive game. It, it doesn't feel like this, this Bulls team have enough players on the perimeter who have enough feel for the game where they can sort of go out there and make adjustments literally as they're making their move. It, it seems like when watching these players when they go ahead and make their their advance to the basket it almost you can almost guess what they're doing before they even do it it, it feels like they're making the decision before they even go about doing it and they don't have the ability to divert away from that so I don't know what the I don't know what the fix is Bulls fans but the offense shouldn't be this bad the the Bulls shouldn't be 30th in the NBA in terms of offensive rating they are literally the worst team in the NBA right now 29th in offensive rating is the New York Knicks a team that is like literally filled with power forwards where you would expect the offense to be downright deplorable but for whatever reason the Bulls are worse than that so... Bad on offense. The defense, for whatever reason, is thirteenth in defensive right rating right now. Like I said, Boylan doesn't want to change that up. He was actually hanging his hat on the defensive rating at this point, saying that it's pretty good that he's seeing progression at this point. And yeah, I guess thirteenth in the NBA is pretty good. It's it's more, better than what I expected. But having said that, against the schedule where you're playing some really bad teams, like we've seen in the last couple of weeks, the last three games against Charlotte, against the Charlotte Hornets, the Portland Trailblazers, and the Warriors, they're they're three bad teams. Your defensive rating should be half decent against those teams, but the scheme that he's running is eventually going to get this team undone once they start facing better competition towards the back end of the season in their schedule. So things are going to change quickly for the defensive rating, I'm sure, as we sort of progress throughout the season. But... That was his comments prior to this game, but I guess the other annoying thing about Jim Borland at the moment, and there is a lot of annoying things about Borland right now, but his comments post-game are equally ridiculous to the point where against the Warriors, after the Warriors game tonight, he is actually suggesting that there was no shame in losing this Warriors game, which is... Completely ridiculous statement given, like I said, the Warriors are 30th in defense in heading into this game. They're the worst team in the NBA. They're three and fifteen before this game. They've barely beaten anyone. The injury depleted. They're relying on guys that probably shouldn't even be in the NBA. And this is a Bulls team that fancied themselves as a playoff a playoff contender. And you're telling me losing to this team, this depleted injury-ravaged Warriors team there's no shame or there's no shame in losing to this team are you fucking kidding me Jim Boylan what the hell are you talking about mate and when you say that with a smile on your face how do you think fans are going to react to this and credit to Will Purdue, credit to Jason Goff and to Kendall Gill post game on NBC Sports Chicago they were mystified as to why Boylan had a smug smile on his face post game they had no idea why the hell he was putting forth that argument I, I honestly don't know where he gets off even making a statement like that. I, is he that tone deaf where he's where he thinks that he can get by with by making shitty statements like that? And again, credit to Darnell Mabry and the other beat writers on who had sort of traveled over to San Francisco and were following the balls in this game because they were able to pull that answer out of Boylan. But man, is he giving me the shits right now. And I know I'm not alone in that fact, which uh, I guess brings me to the other thing that I want to talk about. I, I don't really want to labor on the on these games anymore because who really wants to go into the details of these games. They've been two shitty games this week. The loss to to the Blazers, losing by 20 plus points to the, to Mallow and the Blazers was, like I said, one of the worst losses of the season. But then to follow that that then to follow that up with a 14 point loss to the Golden State Warriors, my God, that might have been worse. So enough of that crap. We don't need to talk about more about these games because probably most of you didn't watch these games anyway if you happen to tune into him like I foolishly did, then you probably don't want to hear about it anyway. But let's move on to the next talking point. And I, like I said, I want to keep this pod short because you're on your holidays and I'm annoyed. I don't want to be talking more about this team. But the last talking point that I wanted to to reference, wanted to put my thoughts out there about was an article that Joe Cowley had put out there on the Sun-Times about Gar Foreman potentially being on the, on the on the chopping block because old Jerry Reinsdorf, he's livid, in fact, about how the Bulls have started their season right now. He's very disappointed, so if, we're, if we were to believe this uh, Cowley article and someone, I guess, is going to have to pay for this to the point where it seems like the, it's shaping itself up to be scapegoated in the sense that it's going to be about Foreman, uh, which isn't super surprising maybe after what Zach Levine did where he scored 49 and then had the 36 here against the Warriors I was also of the opinion that it was going to be Levine that was going to be the odd man out he was going to be the one that was going to be scapegoated instead of Jim Boylan but I think maybe Levine sort of made that impossible to happen, given he's the only one really performing on offense. I doubt Jim Boylan is going to be scapegoated, given his ties to John Paxson, given his ties to Michael Reinsdorf, and, and probably Doug Collins for that matter as well. So, I doubt Boylan is going anywhere anytime soon, despite Stefano's best, Uh, <laughs> well, not, not just Stefano, no, but he penned that nice piece on The Athletic earlier today about getting rid of Boylan, firing Boylan. I think most Bulls fans would agree with that sentiment, but it doesn't appear like he's going anywhere. So for someone to be the scapegoat, it probably falls on the shoulders of Gar Foreman, which I... Oh, look, I'm not going to resist the notion of Garth Foreman being outed. I mean, every Bulls fans will probably celebrate the day when that would happen. But if that is literally the only change that would be made in the front office or anywhere across this organization at this point, that literally changes nothing, Bulls fans. And I want that to be abundantly clear. Whilst it would be nice to dance in Garth Foreman's grave should he exit, getting rid of Foreman would simply be a PR stunt from this organization, a way to maybe calm the noise a little bit a way to maybe deflect things away from their boy, Jim Boylan. A way to f- deflect things from Paxson and ownership and the like. But it changes nothing. Let that be very clear. Foreman has already sort of moved into a backseat role. He's not necessarily frontward facing like we've seen in years past. John Paxson is obviously the one doing that role now. Gar is all about negotiating. He's all about scouting at this point. So his role is has been minimized already. To the point where he's not really—I don't think, at least—impacting the direction of the franchise at this point. But given that he is such, or his name at least, is so tarnished amongst Bulls fans, I think it would be he would be the easiest scapegoat to get rid of. To the point where I view this this article by Kelly as a bit of a hit piece against Foreman. And look, I'm not—I don't want to come across as a Gar Foreman apologist here because that is certainly not the freaking case. I can assure you of that. But if he is the lone change, and like Callie suggested in the piece, that John Paxson is deemed untouchable, then zero changes. Bulls fans, there's nothing, absolutely nothing changes if Paxson remains ahead of the Bulls with Doug Collins in the background, wielding his sort of consultant role to to shape how things are sort of being played in the Bulls hierarchy. And that was a that was a the interesting thing out of Cowley's piece. If, again, if we're to assume what Callie's putting out here has some truth to it, but It seems like Doug Collins is starting to wield some power in the front office himself, which again, I I have no interest in at all. This dude is a 68-year-old former coach who hasn't been relevant for years. He's a Jerry Reinsdorf crony at this point. This organization has been built on nepotism. I don't want to see another guy sort of wielding his power and sort of influencing the organization like like John Paxson has done for the last 17 years. I don't need to be seeing Doug Collins trying to, to make a... Gala Foreman the the scapegoat here when in fact it's literally everyone at the top who's to blame whether it's Paxton whether it's ownership whatever it may be it all rots from the top Bulls fans and if getting rid of Foreman changes absolutely nothing I know we will have a ton of fun online for maybe 24 hours and sort of saying goodbye to Gar it would be amusing I'm not against the idea obviously of getting rid of Gar Foreman but I guess my point is it should be a package deal if Gar goes then Paxton needs to go because Whilst this is shaping up as getting rid of Garth Foreman because of some of the things that he's done, namely hiring Fred Hoiberg, I ask you, who the hell was in charge and who decided to bring in Jim Boylan? I'm pretty sure it wasn't Garth Foreman. I'm pretty sure, given how much this guy, and that guy being Jim Boylan, sounds exactly like, like John Paxson, sounds like Paxson is talking directly through Boylan. I'm pretty damn sure that Paxson was the one that led the charge in terms of bringing in Boylan, making him the coach, along with Michael Reinsdorf and Jerry Reinsdorf. So they're the guys that signed off on Boylan. He is their guy. So to think things will change if you get rid of Garth Foreman is a ridiculous take. And I know Joe Cowley hates Garth Foreman. So I have to think as well that that piece that he wrote was a bit of a hit piece on Garth Foreman because that was an easy target for Joe to make with Getting rid of Garth Foreman changes nothing. And if that is going to be the singular change that sort of happens throughout this dismal season and nothing else changes, then we're going nowhere. Further changes need to be made. That starts with Paxson. Obviously, ownership isn't going anywhere, so that ain't going to be changing. But get rid of Paxson. Get rid of Collins. Get rid of Boylan. Just Just clean the house because this needs to change. It's got to start soon. And I think now is the right time. Why the hell not? Jim Boylan clearly sucks. This is roughly the same time that you fired Fred Hoiberg last time around. Obviously, they're not going to do it because they they want to save some face, but it's becoming untenable at this point. I mean, like I said, post-game today, Jim Boylan was talking about how this wasn't a shameful loss, whereas after the game, again, Darnell Mabry is interviewing Wendell Carter, and here you have your sophomore center, a 20-year-old, literally saying on record that this is a shameful loss, that this should have been a, 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 a win You can't lose to teams like this. This is coming from your starting center, a guy who has literally two years of, well, not even two years of experience, one and a bit years in experience. He's the one with the old man's head on his shoulders saying that this needs to be better. How is it that Wendell Carter is the one that is providing the most sense at this point? It's kind of scary that Wendell Carter is the, the smartest and wisest figurehead within this Bulls organization right now. I mean, that is encouraging, the fact that the Bulls have a leader like Wendell sort of calling the shots and calling it how it how it is at this point. But the fact that he alone is the one talking sensible and logical stuff at this point, it it doesn't bode well, Bulls fans. And yeah, I, I I just wanted to get my thoughts out on that because I think whilst we would celebrate the, the potential exit of Garth Foreman, should that even happen, I, I I still remain skeptical that that will actually take place. But It changes nothing, and look, maybe it will happen, maybe the pressure will rise if the Bulls continue to lose, and maybe Foreman will be the scapegoat, like I said, we'll have our fun about it, but like I also said, that changes absolutely nothing, so I just wanted to get that out there, because I had a few people coming at me and saying, well, at least it's a start, at least it's something, Gar Foreman sucks, get rid of him, It's, it's a good thing, it's a step in the right direction, and while that certainly is the case, it's still a million paces off where the Bulls need to be, but... Yeah, obviously, we'll see how that all plays out. But look, I think I've ranted enough here, Bulls fans. I'm still heated. I apologize that the last few episodes have probably sounded like me just ranting and raving and whinging my way through podcasts. I don't mean that to be the case. I typically like to be a little bit more reserved, a little bit more logical in my takes. But um, given how things are going right now, I think... It's only fair for literally every a single one of us to be enraged at this point. And unfortunately, even for someone like me, who typically is on the on the calmer side of things, um, the Bulls are uh, making my blood boil at the moment. <laughs> so, yeah, apologize for the, for my constant whining here, but hopefully you can empathize and maybe uh, you agree with some of the points that I'm making here. Let me know anyway. Jump on Twitter. Let me know your thoughts. Hit me up at MK Hoops. Follow the podcast on Twitter as well at Balls HQ Pod. But like I said, I should probably get out of here, let you guys enjoy your Thanksgiving break if you are indeed in the US. And for those of us that obviously are not, let's just try to find something else that we can be thankful for because obviously the Bulls aren't giving us much at this moment. Maybe we need to pick up a few other hobbies and maybe use our, uh, use our time a little bit more productively. But having said all that, if you're a diehard like me, we, we can't escape this shitty Bulls team for whatever reason. It's a sickness. I don't know why. We can't get rid of it. I've tried many times to get rid of it, but I just can't. Through thick and thin, this stupid organization has my loyalty, but um, with that in mind, they will be back probably at some point next week to to be talking about our Bulls again. The Bulls have another game coming up against the Portland Trail Blazers, this time in Portland. Um, I fear what's going to happen in that game, given the Bulls were absolutely rocked by that Blazers team at home at the United Center. Who the hell knows what's going to happen on Portland on Friday night, but... You know, maybe randomly somehow they pull out a stupid win, but we will shall see. I'm not hopeful this time around, Bulls fans. But we'll be back soon. Thank you for tuning into this one. Enjoy your Thanksgiving break. Be safe on the roads if you are traveling. Enjoy the time with your families and just maybe after you after you're done listening to this podcast, just just forget about the Bulls for a couple of days and just just do something more pro- more productive. Uh, yeah, <laughs> find something a little bit better to do. But uh, that just about does it for this one. Thank you for tuning in. As always, appreciate you guys. Better times ahead, hopefully ahead. But uh, until next time, this has been Bulls HQ. Thank you for tuning in. Speak soon, Bulls fans.